0: Hector, good to see you. Remember when we first met at the conference? Yeah. Yeah, good times. Uh, that, that was fun. That was fun.
1: All right, guys. Well, happy Friday night. No, we're going. Oh, it's
0: Saturday night, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Friday night. It's Saturday. Night. What, hap- what happened yesterday, Michael? What happened? I yesterday? know, right? <laughs> One day was, too late. You
1: went on a hot date, Hector. That's what happened.
0: <clears throat> yeah, the stars aligned i
2: see another um, one behind me. Excuse me while I put my girl back to bed again. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> so you and a hot date, Hector, wh- where'd you guys go? Would would you tell uh audience where you guys went.
0: Yeah, we went to see a, a cover band of a famous uh, Argentine uh, rock band. And it was a small event. It was like a, maybe like 100, 150 uh, people, but it's a very uh, famous band. The, the, the songs are very iconic, so everybody had a lot of fun and my wife and I hadn't been out in a while, so it, that actually was worth it. It was worth missing Friday Night Live or skipping a day of Friday Night Live for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so. And I was, I was, uh, and then Andrew needed to take the night off, and I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm tired, so let's just take the night off." But then it was funny earlier today. You and I are like, "Hey, we want to hang out tonight, so let's talk." I love it. It's just so organic, man. I love it. So, Matthew, how you doing?
2: Good. Enjoyed myself. It's been a pretty hectic week, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just trying to get a little bit caught up from uh, all the travels up to Scaling New Heights. So, doing all the answering emails and taking care of the tasks that got pushed off.
1: Well that's so, great. Matthew. Yeah, you went. You went to Scaling New Heights. That's right. So we can we can ask you about that, Hector. Go ahead.
0: I was gonna ask. I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the conference. <clears throat> you know, so this
2: is my first time at Scaling New Heights, and um, we had a great time. It was actually my first time in this industry also having an opportunity to be on a panel or to basically, yeah, be on actually two panels, um, which was a, a fun experience being able to get back into that environment again. I used to do it in my old career. Um, the people, amazing. I got to meet a lot of really, really neat people that I had not previously that I've seen throughout the industry, like Veronica think like is one of the one of the cool ones. Um uh, geez, who else? Um I'm sure I'll think of them in just a second when I'm not trying to, of course. The the I didn't do a whole bunch of courses this time. Um, I would have liked to, but I actually try to spend more time just kind of out and about to meet people. You know, we're it's one of those things like we're kind of fortunate that because we know some of these people, that if we really have a question they're willing to spend the time with us, right? And show us individually, instead of being in a course. And I think the relationships are super, super important, but there were definitely a couple of courses I would have liked to have seen too.
0: Um, Another interesting part uh, that happens to me in the conferences, which Matthew probably happened to you, is you have relationships or quasi relationships with people online Mm -hmm. before you meet them in person, right? Maybe you were in a Facebook group and you were answering questions or uh, maybe you were in some other, maybe some comments box somewhere in a YouTube channel or something like that. And then you were uh, chatting with the person back and forth. And, and then when you meet in person, you feel like you know each other already. And it yeah. basically cuts through a lot of the relationship building and you can get straight to sharing very valuable information. And what's also interesting, uh, tying to tonight's topic, which we want to talk about hourly rates, is people share them. People share what they charge per hour and how they charge. It's the one thing that I found very strange in our conference, Scaling New Heights, QuickBooks Connect. You tell people how much you charge and what you charge for. Mm-hmm. They, they they spill their guts. They say everything. Yeah. And for the most part, pretty accurately. I mean, there's some that BS the answer, right? Or, or don't want to tell you. But for the most part, this is an interesting industry. We're talking about money. is not rude.
1: Yeah.
2: You're right. So that is one thing that's definitely different about Scaling New Heights is... Every, it's much more, it's obviously smaller in size, right? So the relationships, you get the opportunity to talk to people. It's true. Like you, they are very sincere conversations. Mm. People are willing to open up about just about anything. Um, I had probably my, my favorite conversation was with Misty Mejia. She's amazing. She's a really, really cool woman. And she is, I think the right person to have on our side um also had an opportunity you know trying to chase after you Hector you inspired me for it to go after interviews with like Rich and Arish. um <clears throat> those kind of things just normally at QuickBooks Connect they're a lot harder to happen because there's just so much more going on so much more overload um so I really liked how digestible Scaling New Heights was in comparison to like QuickBooks Connect
1: that's great yeah and and it was interesting to watch Twitter and and social media because Scaling New Heights was happen happening and Zerocon was happening at the same time, and so you got two different worlds kind of, mostly you know the QuickBooks world, yeah. and then you had this Zerocon which was, of I think of similar size maybe a little bigger but of similar size like, you know whereas QuickBooks connected that at the, at a different level of size from like you know five thousand people versus uh, what does Scaling New Heights get to uh, five hundred people or,
2: thousand. I, they, about a thousand, I think, probably yeah. just a little bit under this year. And I think zero Con was even bigger than that.
1: Yeah. So. Zero yeah. ZeroCon's about, you know, a thousand, yeah. 800 to a thousand people, something like that. And what, what now, you know, I've never been, but so for somebody who has only on a QuickBooks connect, sell me the value of scaling new heights versus, versus that. What's the value? Is it something that, you think it's a must if you're really in the QuickBooks world, or is it only a must for specific, for specific reason?
2: I, I would not, I'd have a hard time saying it's a must. What I would say is that it, the education is better at scaling new heights. Hmm. Generally the people that go to scaling new heights have already been to a QuickBooks connect, or at least they're a little bit deeper into like the social environment or the social world out there. So it's not like they're, they're, They're there for a purpose, if you will. Um, What was really interesting is when they asked how many people were pro-advisors and then how many were advanced pro-advisors, it seemed like at least 65, 70% of the room raised their hand. Now, take that, you know, if I was to look in my own geographical area within a 25-mile radius, I'm one of two two different pro-advisors that are advanced out of 32 pro-advisors. Wow. So like think of that ratio difference, right? That's really, really impressive. Um, so I think there's just more commitment on that side. I like that the courses, the courses are two hours long for most of them. That's good and bad. You know, if you've got a bad course, I think that'd be great to have like a halfway point where you could sneak out. <laughs> um, but most of them were, were pretty powerful. And they were different topics. Like there was one on, um, using PDFs. Um, the power behind like Adobe PDFs and what you can geek out with. I'll save you that part, but you can do a lot of cool things. I've never seen that at connect so far. So if I had to choose between the two of them, QuickBooks connect by far.
0: Okay. Definitely that one first. But it's, I think it's important to explain why, cause you just mentioned scaling your heights, being better, okay. better. You just said it's better. It's got it's deeper dive. It's got better content. And then you go straight to saying QB connect is your preference. <laughs> because you're missing a piece. Maybe I interrupted you. Maybe you're no. missing the, the, re, the real reason why you like Connect better.
2: Um, I think that the there's something to be said about all of the after events that occur with QuickBooks Connect. Again, it's the connections you make with people that really, really matter. They meet, they've been phenomenal for me over the last year. The other part of it was that scaling new heights was too much of a sales pitch the entire time.
0: Mm. A, a sales pitch for what? Are you talking about uh, everybody selling something, or one overall sales pitch?
2: Um, it seemed it felt like almost anybody who was on the main stage was selling something instead of instilling like knowledge. Um, that was very very frustrating. Like um, most of It was that. that's not no, new. About I you.
0: I, I've been at Scaling. I, I went the last five years before. That's kind of how the model is, right? I mean, Scaling New Heights. It's it's a conference that because of the amount of sessions that they do. And they don't have this big corporate sponsorship. Like QB Connect doesn't make money from this. This is a big marketing cost. So uh, Woodard has to somehow make the conference work with the uh, revenue from the attendees and the revenue from the sponsors. And most of the, 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 the main stage speakers are sponsors, right? So I don't want to say or, or, or blame that. Yeah, they, they purposely have people paid to be on this on the stage, but you must be a sponsor be, to be able to speak on the stage, with the exception of a few uh people I, I spoke this year that are not people that I know to be like apps. You know, there was that gentleman uh that did the music thing. I wasn't I'm not sure if he was selling anything. And and uh there was uh, well the, the marketing guy who sold was selling his program, right? He was selling his yeah. yeah he was selling uh dave lacani i think is his name and there was another gentleman the bold guy the african-american guy what was his name byron something um he wasn't selling something either right it was yeah so so there's a few in there that are not selling you something but for the most part it's not that they're selling you is they're trying to get their roi on investing in sponsoring the the
2: the conference that's a good point i mean if you're going to go do that thing, right, you've got to make it worth the value and the time. So it's, that's definitely a valid point. Um, I'd say, so the other part that why I like QuickBooks Connect, this is a silly one, but the food, like the, <laughs> at least at QuickBooks Connect, like there was meals there. You didn't have to worry about it as much, um, especially if you're trying to deep dive into classes. If you're the kind of person like me where maybe you're sticking around, you're talking to somebody right afterwards, you don't have to rush over to it. Um, Fortunately, you know we we found different dinners and different events to do almost every night. We had, had one of the best dining experiences ever outside of uh, scaling new heights, but um, the food was definitely something left to be desired.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's conference food, right? Co- conference. Yeah. I
2: just want bacon, man. Just give me some bacon, and I'm a happy guy. That's all I
0: need. <laughs> That's- and Michael, Michael, you said you've never been, but you've been to Connect, of course, because we, we, we saw each other last year. Do you attend any other conferences uh, of accounting and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, uh, the only one I started, and I started this last year, is I've started oh. attending Deeper Weekend, Thrival's Deeper Weekend, um, which is not on a weekend, but it's called Deeper. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I'm, I'm gonna make it a regular part of my. I guess conference year, mainly because I was signif- I was greatly impressed with uh, the content Jason Blumer has puts on. He's the only speaker at it, and he puts on two two and a half days of content, and it is the richest content that I've ever experienced. So, I'd say richer than any of the you know one hour sessions that the other conferences can possibly do. And he takes one topic and he goes super deep for two and a half days. Um, and it's with just a room full of, it's just with a room of a hundred people. So um,
0: what's the cost of that conference, Michael? What did you pay for that?
1: Um, I believe after discount codes, it comes out to about $700, something like that. $700, $800, depending on the discount code you use. Scaling um, is like that. Yeah. But
0: how, but how many attendees are we talking about?
1: 50, hundred, hundred attendees.
0: Oh, they've grown. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One hundred. You know, I'm. I i do not know if they'll have 125 or 150 this year, but the content is super deep. So this year's topic is the is the um, uh, entrepreneurial operating system or EOS or you know how do you run your firm like an entrepreneur and what are the practices um, and I think the framework is going to be around this EOS system that comes from the book um, Traction. So. Um, yeah so it was really 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 um deep and rich content that that's the reason why i think i'm gonna make it i'm i'm making it you know this will be my second year and i'll make it a regular part um of my year looks like ryan's gonna join us as well um so yeah so that that's i'd say from a conference perspective and i've i've i guess i've not been convinced enough yet to go to scaling new heights um unless Unless somebody tells me it'll change the differentiator, give me an edge on firm growth or something with my, with my firm. I've, I feel like QuickBooks Connect is the place I've been able to network the most widely and also now I spoke on a panel last year and I've applied to speak. I've applied for two talks for this year and I had two employees apply for talks. And also I feel like QuickBooks Connect is something I can bring my employees to and it's, it's more accessible, it's cheaper to do that, and they can meet a lot of people in the industry versus scaling, you know, it would be a huge cost to bring one, two, or three employees with me.
2: Yeah, it would be. Um, I like you. I actually, since the, I guess the deadline just passed to do your submissions for QuickBooks Connect, right? Um, Actually yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. So I put in four different topics, hoping that this year I'll be able to meet my goal of having the chance to uh, teach at QuickBooks
0: Connect. All you need is one. You gotta get one. Well, I need that's it. one. I got four shots at it. <laughs> right. Exactly.
2: Exactly. More importantly, I know you Hector are familiar with it, the QB Grand Prix. Um, I think that's actually looking pretty good. I talked to Rich and Arish about it also. Do you know what it is, Michael?
1: No, I
0: I think so, but I you know you didn't share. It's, it's
1: partially-
2: we're supposed
0: to we're supposed to race in scooters, right?
2: Yep. It's kind of inspired by you, Hector, in your video from last year as well, but it's the, so the bird scooters doing a relay race where we have different teams that will be set up, and you start off at QuickBooks Connect, and you have to complete a one-minute accounting task that each, you'll have a vendor that sponsors each relay spot, right? Finish your accounting task, get on the scooter, race off to the next location, then your teammate can do their accounting task, race off to the next, and so on and so on and so on. Um, have some fun with it. Have... The goal is to have enough uh, funding for it that there's a grand prize that each team will choose a charity of their cho- you know of their choice to play for, and then the winning team, of course, the money goes to that. So I'm working with Chris with Qbox and we're uh, actually talking to the local city ordinances, all that stuff to find out the details.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right. I, so I, my
1: encouragement, I'll say it now, so that I could say, please do this: is wear a helmet. That's all I'm going to
0: say. Please wear a okay. helmet we will i i love those scooters man those those (laughs) two scooters change those scooters change my life so uh, i'll definitely race. so do we do we switch to our topic that we wanted to talk about so so this is an irregular uh day because we're doing this on a saturday instead of a friday yeah um which is going to be interesting because i'm going to be off next friday because i'm going to be in the niagara falls so i don't think i'll be able to do it so we might move next week's to saturday as well because i'm actually going to be with andrew in uh, toronto with him yeah. so we'll see so maybe we'll have something on friday or maybe saturday we'll, we'll let you know in the in the page but we wanted to talk about something random i guess which is hourly rates you know something that's like what you know like <laughs> i thought we were like firm of the future or whatever and, and we to talk about that but michael's obsessing about hourly rates for some weird reason so tell us what 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 has you thinking about hourly rates? Yeah, So,
1: so I've been, I've been um, over the past, I'd say, you know, nine months to a year, um, something that's not uh, publicly announced on our Reconciled page, but I've been doing um, as a part of Reconciled, I've just been doing it for people who, who request it. And now I've been getting the requests about uh, two times a month. I get a new client request about this and it's specifically coaching, mentoring and coaching. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new at it. I'm only doing about a year. I, you know, most of, a lot of us do mentoring and coaching, but we do it for free. Right. So we give, we talk,
0: we're talking about colleagues, like our fellow accountant and bookkeepers or CEOs that um, you're coaching?
1: Both, both. Okay. I get, I get requests from CEOs and I get requests from people that are, have seen what, you know, what, what, what I've done with Reconciled and what my team has done and says, Hey, I want to grow at something like Reconciled. I want to talk to the guy who did it. And so they reach out or I get a referral. Um, or I get, uh, potential clients that I go, Hey, you know, I saw this bookkeeping proposal, but frankly, I would rather like coaching from you directly instead of bookkeeping. I went, Oh, okay. That's interesting. So, you know, fairly new to that. So I've gotten obsessed with this idea of, well, what's the highest amount I can charge and how high can I get it to for one hour of my time every month? Cause at the end of the day, they're going to get what, what's mentoring and coaching. They're going to get an hour of my time virtually. And in that hour of the time, I'm going to jam pack it with value. Um, and so I asked myself the question is, well, how do you get that value or that hour to the highest maximum price possible? Um, and what affects it? What increases it, decreases it, what changes the perception of the value of that time? Um, so I, that's why I've gotten obsesses now, you know, you know, so a g- example, I talked to you, Hector was how does somebody like a, a Hillary Clinton get to half a million dollars a year for an hour speech, right. Versus the example you had given me was how does a surgeon or an anesthesiologist given hours worth of time and charge, $25,000, right. For the, for that, for that time. That's the thing I think about, um, and I thought it'd just be an interesting topic because i have just been it's all been on my mind. Um,
0: yeah, let's do some mental exercises around it. So let's talk about the specific concept of someone hiring you to have access to you for one hour per month. That sounds to be that's the deal that you're putting together, right? And you're either charging per month and letting that person uh, cancel whenever they want, or forcing them to do at least six months or twelve months so you can see some effectiveness. So if you actually were to uh, look at it as a f- hourly rate. Let's just say it's two hundred fifty dollars an hour. Let's just say a number that that doesn't sound like a ridiculous number, but it's right. good enough. That's worth, um, you know, I think all around. So, if you if if you were to be the person that's being coached, the first hour you might not get much much value because you're basically just stating the problem I and mean, then maybe getting your initial reaction or what the problem with the situation is, right? Then a month happens. Then the second hour might be worth a little bit more because now you got some context. Now the person was able to maybe experiment with some of the ideas that you gave them in that hour. You're giving them some feedback on it, right? So that's got a little bit more value. They paid the same 250. Then on the third call, that, now the third call that might be the, the the sweet spot, right? Cause it's been it's been now 60 to 90 days since, since you talked. Uh, you know, you put some ideas in their head. You gave them some feedback. They come back and tell you, I got I had two customers that I applied, whatever suggestion you get, I applied this sales process or this pricing process or this framework and the, and the way I sp- spoke with the client and this is how the client reacted. What do you think? And then you start basically analyzing, psychoanalyzing the whole thing and then you start giving some like real feedback about what you think about what's going on. And then there's going to be basically a curve, right? Where, where, where the calls are going to get more valuable, more valuable up to the point where when they call you, It's pretty much the same problem and you're basically repeating and reiterating, repeating. So then at some point, it might not be as valuable to talk to you for the hour. Maybe it'll be valuable if they wait six months or a year because they they need to kind of explore on their own and experiment before they come back to you. So if you think of a flat hourly rate, um, the the only interesting thing is food for thought is that no matter what, The first call is not going to be as valuable. The last call is not going to be as valuable. And somewhere in the middle calls where sort of the climax of the story, right, of the coaching happens, that's where the most value is. So if you were to use a dynamic hourly rate that Mm -hmm. increases over time and then decreases afterwards, maybe that's a bit more fair and and fair is a whole whole topic of discussion, right? That's complicated. So in a nutshell, my, my take is, if you wanted to, as Michael Lee, if you wanted to, to, your output, what you wanted to get in your head to be happy, it's I want to get an average of, or I want an output of or effective $250 an hour, then what you must charge is $250 times six, right? So $1,500, correct? For a six-month program, that includes six calls at one hour each. Now, effectively, it is 6 sessions of one hour each for 250, but the way you're framing it, it's more around the value. So to the person buying it, what they're paying is $1,500. And in exchange, they're going to get a six month coaching program that happens to be broken in hourly sessions. Right. So you can go both ways. I mean, there's many co- there's many coaches that say, I charge 250 an hour. I estimate that about six sessions might be enough. One session per hour might be sufficient. And you may approach it as 250 an hour. The problem is, and this is one of the interesting parts about hourly rates, is when the customer knows they're paying by the hour, their level of anxiety is through the roof. Right. It's it's so like when I used to charge by the hour, when we used to charge by the hour, this happened to me all the time. I'm at a customer's office. We're doing something with QuickBooks, or somebody, you know, like I'm working with the CEOs most of the time. So somebody comes in, line level employee, asking some dumb question, right? And then the CEO, CEO says, "Yeah, press the red button." And then it goes, yeah, but I have a question about the red button. Usually it's like, dude, don't bother me now. I'm paying this guy $250 an hour. You know, so it's one of those things, you know, it's like their stress, it's, it's on their mind, you know, their cost per minute is on their mind. And then what might happen is that person might not be fully engaged in the moment because they're just trying to squeeze in that hour. You know, it's, we, we are, we're maximizers as human beings. So I think that you can effectively charge an hourly rate without framing it like that and get a much better experience out of it. So that's my first comment about, you know, the, the whole, the framework of hourly or not hourly, but effectively it's $250 an hour. The second one, your question or proposal you're putting in place is, well, okay, so let's say I buy into that, but what is the biggest number that I can charge? Because I believe that my value is more than 1500 Maybe I believe it's 3000 Maybe I believe it's 6000 Maybe you can change somebody's life and, and have them go from making $80,000 a year to $200,000 a year. What is that worth, right? That might be worth $10,000, $15,000. The challenge is that if you break that down by the hour, it's going to be this big, ridiculous number that's going to be very difficult to sell. Right. So you mentioned, you mentioned Hillary Clinton, right? Hillary Clinton, I don't think she adds half a million dollars worth of value in one hour speech. I don't think her speech itself delivers a half a million dollar results. But bringing Hillary Clinton, and I don't want to get political on it, but bringing, bringing Obama or bringing whoever, right? Bringing someone in to speak that is influential could give the, 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 the peoples running the conference or the, or the people watching it, could give them the impression of access and, and, and connections. And maybe they, they're willing to to spend the $10,000 a plate or whatever to go speak in a place because they're going to speak to a person that's influential and or they may have connections. For one person, just meeting one political person that might help them, you know, pass some law that helps the entire in- industry save millions of dollars in whatever, in taxes. That might be worth a lot more than half a million dollars. So I don't think he has anything to do with what happens during that hour. he has everything to do with the people's perception of what happens after the hour is completed, right? And and and, and the problem with hourly rate is that the whole concept, because it got the word rate in it, and rate is a it's it's the word rate, to me, like the way I picture rate, it's it's a, it's like a, a clock ticking, right? Or it's it's a it's a formula, that's calculating, right? Time a rate, right? A, a rate is sort of this dynamic number that's moving, whereas when you even if you effectively charge half a million dollars to speak as Hillary Clinton, when, when she sells her things, she goes, Hey, it's Hillary Clinton, right? Bill's going to be there. And, and, and I'll talk to everyone five minutes and I'll, I'll listen to their thing. You know, like they know how to present the, again, that perceived value of what happens after that hour. And that's how you sell it. I think, I think hourly rate is an internal number for us, but it should never be an external number for the people that we're working with,
1: right. That makes that makes a lot of sense, Matthew. What are you, what are your, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, <clears throat> I I love what you just said, Hector. I mean, you touched on a lot of different points there. With so with my business partner, we've been in the transition of you know to value pricing or a hybrid of such over the last year and a half or so. Right, um, as we bring on new clients. Um, and I will say that he is more inclined to charge hourly for additional work that's outside of the scope, hmm. where my desire has always been to try to get our price point up to a point to a level to where we're happy with the additional, even if there are additional requests for work, that we still can handle them without then having additional hourly charges. Hmm. So it's it's been something that we've been kind of battling with. I think there are certain times when you can do an hourly price, but actually I I like the way that Hector said it, that even doing it, then it's the, the best way to do it would be if you could actually really define, Hey, I'm going to do this mentoring for you with, like you said, for six months or six weeks, whatever it is, as long as you know what your desired hourly rate is, never explain it that way, put it together as a package. But I would also make sure to um, probably sweeten the deal by trying to make sure it's understood there's additional off hours time that goes into our meetings. So there's extra perceived value that's harder for them to judge it by.
0: Right. Something something I wanted to add, Michael, and I wanted to ask a question to you, if you don't mind. You have you've already coached at least two people, right? At least two. Mm -hmm. Okay. do you think and and just be honest here and, and know that they might be watching yeah. Do you think that both people got the same result or the same outcome out of your coaching? No, no. all right. Yeah. So so th- that means one got higher than the other, right? sure Now now, we're not saying that the one that got the lower got below what they paid for. We're not saying that. We're just saying that one got a big number one got a much bigger number than the other. So the big the big challenge here, and if this is more, more of a mindset issue, the big challenge here is, if, you, if you're thinking about the highest possible number, well, mathematically, you can average, you could figure out, well, one person would have paid 500. The other person, I'm not sure if it would have paid more, but because I'm probably going to average the two, I'm going to maybe bump it from 250 to 300 or 350. And then maybe that's how people etch in that hourly rate. They just keep creeping up and up and up until they get to the point that people don't buy, right? That's kind of the concept of how people keep pushing that hourly rate uh, up. Uh, however, i think the the, the 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 biggest challenge is regardless regardless because you know that no one is going to get the same result that's the concept of value pricing where you don't have one rate for everyone where you somebody comes to is for coaching and you say what are your goals and they say my goals are a b and c and then you and then your, your follow up question is well if you meet those goals, what would that look in your bottom line? Or potentially, how, how is this going to enhance your life? And you can, you can go both ways, the profitability or lifestyle right? whatever it is. So they're going to say, oh, it's going to be $10,000 more in my pocket. So then you come back and say, well, if I capture 25% of that and I can guarantee the result, would you pay for that? And the customer will say, yeah, sure, 25% for, for you know, sounds like a good commission okay. <laughs> for, for finding this extra money in my life. And then they pay for it. But then at that point, because you're in the hook for the results, because you're guaranteeing the results, it's no longer six sessions of one hour each. This could take 20 sessions. It could take three sessions. So the concept of fairness uh, comes in mind with hourly rates. And and the people that are afraid of leaving the hourly rate is because they don't want to be unfair or they don't want to do all the homework that it takes to figure out potentially who can get more out of your time and price each thing automatically. So it's just easier to price by the hour. So my question back to you, Michael, is I, I'm assuming you're charging by the hour or by the package, but are you charging different fees to different uh, people that you're mentoring?
1: Yes. Yes. I actually am. So I'm, I'm charging the way i frame is I'm charging on a monthly basis, just like I am with our, bookkeeping or CFO services um, and I am diff- charging different prices but I did not frame it or I did not think through it when I did the setup of the proposal I didn't think through it like you were discussing where I think where I went okay what is the goal or what is the end goal of the time they want with me and how can I make sure they meet that goal and, and fit the proposal to meet that instead in my mind I went okay First client, first, a coaching client, I'm going to start here at this price per month. Second coaching client, and they're going to say yes, and they did. Second coaching client, okay, I'm going to go to a little higher per month. Third client, I'm going to go to a little higher. Fourth client, I'm going to go a little higher. And basically, I just kept going incrementally higher um, until until I get clients, enough clients that say no, right? <laughs> until I get them. So I need to re I need to rethink through this. And mainly because mainly because um, with coaching or mentoring, I guess I didn't make the assumption that there's an end. Um, because generally, I, and, and, and I don't know how long on average, you have a coach or a mentor. But I, I just assumed, oh, they want to coach. And if, if they don't have an end with their business in the sense of, they're they've told me they plan to sell it and that's what they want to help me want me to help them do they want to coach for their business to help help it grow well that means it could be an indefinite relationship or maybe at least one for two or three years I don't know you know um so that's where I thought I didn't think to ask the question well is there an end goal in six months or one year or something that we want to aim for or you want me to help you through And that probably that kind of question would have helped me frame then probably a better pricing model or a different approach to the pricing model. Um, Yeah. But admittedly, I'm just like, oh, this next one, I'm gonna charge a little more. This next one, charge a little more. Um, And it's been interesting because I've gotten a mix of both Canadian clients and requests as well as U.S. clients and requests. Um, So I'm also very sensitive to the fact that the Canadian conversion rate (laughs) it doesn't help. Canadian clients, but I'm also, I'm learning through all this, which is great because I get to coach, I get to do coaching. um, I would call it coaching and mentoring because there's a a component of both that are happening. So I don't call it peer coaching or peer mentoring.
0: So Michael, let me throw a wrench at you at this whole thing. So your current system as you have it, and and you admitted that you're open to changing it and it's a dynamic concept. So the current system as you have it is, you can subscribe to my mentoring program by paying a flat monthly fee and that flat monthly fee gets you access to one hour of my time. Okay. So that's so far what it is. It's very simple, easy to sell. I think it's easy to sell and it's easy for the person to decide, can I afford this? Yes or no. It is not so easy for the person to decide is this valuable for me? Yes or no. Right. But they can decide, can I afford this? Yes or no. And this model reminds me of therapy. I don't know if any of you right. have gone to therapy or admit that I have gone to therapy. I, I was in therapy, uh, about nine years ago when I first started my business and I was juggling between having a kid and a new business and a job and I was going nuts and I started and my insurance for my banking, <laughs> uh, covered, uh, therapy. So I went to therapy for a while and it was funny. I loved going to therapy, but it's, it was that model. It was, it was, you go, you show up, you talk for an hour, you leave. And there was never, ever feedback in terms of, wait, what, what's the point of this? Am I am I supposed to be getting better or not? And it got to a point that I was speaking so much, I was literally, the guy would ask me one question and the whole 45 minutes would be me speaking. And I'm like, oh shit, I can do this by myself. I can do a podcast and that would be my free therapy, you know? So it was one of the situations that I wasn't getting feedback and I wasn't seeing, I wasn't it wasn't framed around a resolution. Um, and, and I think chiropractors are the same way, right? You just go and they keep cracking your back and it's like, you never get it fixed. So as a consumer, Michael, unfortunately I gotta tell you, I just don't like that model. That model gives me a lot of anxiety because it reminds me of situations where you know, maybe I get some value out of it, but it feels sporadic. You know, like maybe I'll get it, maybe I don't get it, but there's no end in mind. And I think that's, that. That stated result, that stated outcome, or that proposed uh, with the future decide, desired state—that's the concept. That proposed future desired state. If that's not clear, it's just very difficult, and then it just feels like a rate, and 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 people will stop if they don't see progress. Even even though even though there is progress, they'll stop. So that's problem number one. Problem number two, Michael, is that you run a, you're a CEO of a busy practice. How many people could you take in mentoring? Let's just think about that. How many people could you take in mentoring and it not affect your regular business? Like think, think about it now. So how many people could you do by yourself? Let's say, you know, you can't scale it. What you know it's only you and no one else can do it. How many people could you possibly take in a month? In in a month?
1: Yeah, assuming that I I only provide it one-on-one, right? Yes. So yes, only one on one. Yeah, stay in that model. Um, it would be it it would probably be at most ten a month, ten, ten okay. total, ten total.
0: Okay, right? all right, ten. So, ten. And, yeah. and this is this is because of time. Yep. And but also because of emotional capacity. Yep. 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 Right. Because people that get coaching, it's like people going to therapy. Oh, totally. They got they have baggage, right? Yeah. They they, they have this personal insecurity. Not everybody though what I'm saying, but most of the things that you walk through it's personal insecurities about what they can or can't do. Or, or misperceptions about what the marketplace is and who the customers are and everybody thinks that their business is unique and, and their customers are not going to accept anything you, you propose to them because they're, my, you don't understand. My customers are cheap and, and everybody, th- and then there's a lot of sort of psychology that you walk through. So there's a lot of mental uh, capacity that it takes for you to coach eight, 10 people. And could you argue that if you start taking the 11th or the 12th or the 13th people, the quality of your coaching could potentially go down? Could you argue that? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because you're because you're you're busier and you can't spend us or you can think about them off, off that hour, because right now when you have two or three people, someone may tell you a problem. In that hour you didn't solve the problem, but the next month you had time to think about the problem and you come back and say, Hey, I thought about your problem. Let me propose this to you. Right. Now if you're dealing with 12 people, 15 people and your busy practice and your kids, would you even make time to do that so there's something that we can't measure which is emotional capacity and when you're just selling an hour of your time you're being unfair to the concept that what you also need to sell is the scarcity it's this exclusiveness that it is for you to be for someone to be part of your coaching program because you also have a limited capacity to only attend 10 people. So if the next person comes in, if they know they're not buying an hour of random time, they're buying an hour of this precious limited capacity that you can potentially give to someone, then the whole uh, uh, the whole scheme changes altogether.
2: It's a really, really good point. Now, actually, so Michael, I want to ask you one other thing directly related to this. A while back we were you were talking about the value that different people would get. Do you have some way to evaluate the people that you'll be mentoring their capabilities or their skill level ahead of time because that's another aspect another variable that comes into play as to who's getting what kind of a value from you.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great. That's a great question. Yeah, I don't obviously I don't have a tool developed or anything like that. The only thing I have is um, that first 30 minute, you know, 30 minute to 1 hour conversation um, when they first want to talk to me and kind of evaluate whether they want to do this with me. And it allows me to kind of gauge of, okay, where are they at in their practice? What kind of firm do they have? What do they want to do with their business? Um, and why, why, why are they reaching out to me? Right? That's the only, those are the kind of the, the few things I have. Um, but otherwise, I don't know them, seeing, I'm not, you know, friends with them, or not really close with them. I don't know the history of their lives. I don't know the failures yet or the challenges, real, the, the, you know, I might know one or two challenges they're facing in that conversation. Um, and, and like I said, I don't really know what their end goal is besides they want to start this relationship and grow, whether it's grow professionally, grow their business. Um, so the way that Hector describes it, it, on some level, it is like therapy, although they probably wouldn't view me that way or I wouldn't view it that way, but I would agree. It's very much similar. It's a similar mindset. Cause you're wanting to, you're, you're hoping to talk to somebody who's been there. Right. And you're hoping to, um, so I would say it's not just coaching, it's mentoring. Cause you're hoping, hoping this person has been there and can answer some of the questions you have now. Cause they were, they were there a year ago or two years ago. Right. And, um, and you're hoping they can give you insight into those things um, that you don't have and help you see where you're blind, um, uh, which is very interesting But this has been interesting because I've never thought to ask, well, what's, because it's, it's funny. That's, that's actually an interesting point that Hector made as a consumer without that, you know, I would just, eventually they would end and I go, well, yes. Um, And a part of me goes, well, so would a six month engagement, (laughs) like a six month engagement would end too, or a year engagement would end too. Now I could try to upsell or renew or sell for the next goal. Right. If I define the goal and I go, hey, I got you here. Was that valuable? Well, is there another goal I want you to reach? So maybe that's another way. I, it's it w- it's helpful to keep people re-engaged and re-engaged. It's because I'm helping them define goals and I help them meet them. Um, and so there is a benefit to the way that Hector is describing the way the model Hector describing is. There's a big benefit because then it gives me actually a sales approach to always make sure the client's engaged with an eventual goal instead of the, like you said, this kind of, um, you know, really squishy, what's our end goal, where are we going with this, um, kind of approach, which is basically
0: what I have right now. (laughs) Now, The the other value with a goal, Michael, and, and I know the problem with setting a goal is this starts as a very abstract thing. And unless you spend a lot of time getting to know the person, it's hard for you to pretty much. Uh, guess whether or not it is feasible to reach this goal within a six months or eight months, it would take a lot of work you know, for you to say, you know what, it is doable. And like, my, like Matthew says, if someone says, my goal is to hire two people and be able to afford two people, right? Let's say that's, it's a non-numerical goal. That's obviously a numerical goal, right? Because you have to be able to produce at least $80,000 addition to now. So you can pay $40,000 to each assistant or whatever happens to be. So, when somebody's walking in and they're very new at this, they have no skills or very little skills, you can say, you know what? What you're trying to do is very difficult difficult to achieve. But then the challenge is getting to the point where you can make this assertion. It's a lot of work. So it's easier to just say 250 an hour and we'll see. But the, one of the values of the goal, and I think Bob Wang in one of the episodes had, had mentioned this. And he, he had a coach that kept answering the same thing, which is, will that get you closer to where? So you can, so when somebody starts ranting off about some problem with some customer that they want to fire or whatever, you can always go back and say, will that get you closer to meeting your goal? And then it makes up, it just basically is a shock reaction that goes, you know what, I'm wasting my time thinking about this because that doesn't get me closer to my goal. So that's one of the valuable things of having a goal. And, And when I do QuickBooks Consulting, which is quasi hourly, I'll admit, Michael, I have the same, problem with you, I have a quasi hourly system where when I don't know someone and they say, Hector, can you help me? I say, I don't know. Pay, pay $650 for a two hour session <laughs> and we'll figure it out. That's kind of my model too. Um, and then once we meet and they say, okay, I have this goal, at that point, I'll value price the project. But because I deal with so many people I don't know, and I don't want to sit there and get to know them. I prefer they pay me for the two hours, pick my brain, look at their file, do a review or whatever, and then see if there's an opportunity to do something else. But I always start by saying, before we start, what is it that you want to achieve? Because I want to make sure that I structure the session in a way that we can at least see the light at the end of the tunnel of that end goal, even if we cannot do it, right? Because it happens to me where people will call me and set up a two-hour session to uh, rebuild their chart of accounts, right? So sometimes rebuilding a chart of accounts could take five minutes. Sometimes it could take hours because you have to kick everybody out into single user mode. You have to, watch, you have to look at past financial statements. You have to make sure that you're not changing things on the tax return. You have to change items and what items are pointing out to, I mean, without getting any geeker on the QuickBooks side, but these are the realities of the work. And then you start getting to it and the two hours went by and you realize that if you don't spend another hour, you left them basically in a tough spot because you're halfway through the change right so those are the those are the the, the things that you have to you know start asking that question because michael it may happen to you too where someone is 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 getting coaching you start getting into a really hot topic about you know whether i should fire an employee and then your hours up and and that person is still kind of like stuck and, and or maybe you know Everything that you discussed pointed towards firing that person, but you didn't get the chance to weigh in the pros and the cons and all that stuff. And you may leave that person worse than when they started because of the whole concept of, of, of the hour. Now, I know that capacity stops you from doing that. But Michael, let's say you had a more, more dynamic system where it's a six-month coaching. It is six hours. At any point in time, if, if the hour runs, we'll go ahead and kick in the next hour and then we'll skip one month. So, so again, it's the mm-hmm. same hourly rate, but, it's, but it's, it's packaged so people are not looking at the clock and they're stressed about the clock. Because it's the one thing that none of us can stop is the clock from moving. It right. is the one thing that stresses everybody out. Let's Please great.
2: insert $100. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you would like to
1: continue, please add your credit card and press yeah. Like my, this video screen shuts off and it just waits. And, mm.
0: <laughs> and oh. Matthew, Matthew, you do a lot of technical work and some training, uh, so I assume that you're and you're getting some some uh, clients from uh, YouTube and stuff like that. I think you're you've been following some of my steps in the marketing world, and you're getting random people that want to work with you. Yep. And so, how are you dealing with this whole hourly rate issue?
2: Um, so again, it's something that I've definitely struggled with. Um, it's actually truly like Hector, some of the conversations we've had in the past have been very helpful to me that what we will try to do is I I will usually express what an out, what my hourly rate is to somebody for something, and then explain to them that what we need to do is take a look at the, the, the scope of the project. So I can then put together a project price is what I always try to do. Um, and it's usually based on the idea because again, I don't want to do it hour by hour by hour. I do have, we do have a couple clients that they are hourly. And when I'm doing what my hourly at the moment is 150 an hour. Um, and that's for doing some like workflow design and so forth. But when I'm doing that, I mean, that's an okay wage, but if I, it's not as great as if I'm doing a project and I can bundle it together. So we're, we're still, like you said, we're still struggling with it, struggling with it a bit. Um, I did want to share, though, with the conversation you were having previously, w- one of my first, like, real after college type jobs was in a car audio business called Audio Experts. And they had a business consultant that came in every single week. Um, and as being like the next person in line for management wise, it was always interesting to me to see how those meetings worked. And what really was the powerful part is they would have their action items that had to be accomplished every week. And so each week, there would be a list of five, six things that were supposed to be done before the next meeting. And like I'm sure everybody would expect right now, what would happen is the meetings were on Wednesday. So about Tuesday or Wednesday morning, they were running around trying to get everything done before the next meeting occurred because of that accountability aspect of it. But by always having those specific weekly goals for weekly targets of things that had to be completed, they were being driven towards an actual end goal being increased uh, percentage of increased profitability. Uh, but by having those weekly little milestones that they had to accomplish, it helped keep it very relevant and helped them keep the, the appointment week after week after week. So I don't know if that helps you also, Michael.
1: That's great. Thanks for that. Thanks for that feedback. This just really gives me a really lot of uh, good food for thought. And and, uh, it would be, it would be actually be beneficial for me to frame the relationship in a more fluid way where it was over six months of the year. Because frankly, I'm not going to see, you know, my clients working with me are not going to see a lot of benefit if they only work with me for a month or two and then cut off the relationship. It's like, trying to go to a therapist and having the therapist solve your problems in two, two sessions or something like that. Right. Especially if you're going the for massive cha- change or massive problems. And so, and this gives it the flu, like you talked about Hector, like a, the client not feeling this pressure of, Oh, we only got an hour. We got five minutes left. Um, and in, instead they can go, well, I've got up to this amount of time with him over this package. I want to use some of that in the beginning. I want to use more of it in the beginning because I want to talk to him more. And then I'm, i want to be, i want to use lots of it at, near the end. Um, and, um, or if there's a way to figure out how to not tie to time at all and, and just to have it tied to results, um, I think that would be really beneficial for the clients. So that's really And
0: really- I, I'll throw something else out there, Michael, and this might be a way that you can talk through your clients whenever they're having a challenge with whatever system you use to to, to price this. If you, if you record the six out, let's, let's say, let's say, let's say you're going to do a six month six hours, right? If you were to record all the sessions with with uh, with your clients in that, and you were to do like, let's say a transcription and a word search, right? And we were to use total number of words, you know, like the way that they do it with articles, right? When you're going to write an article for someone, they say between three to 400 words, like somehow the word number means anything. But what I'm saying is if you take a six hour conversation with someone and you put all the words and you can throw a stat out there, right? We're going to exchange 10,000 words, right? The reality is that the eureka moment, the valuable moment will be in probably in six or seven of those words out of the entire 10,000 words. But we don't know if that's going to happen in session one. We don't know if it's going to happen in session six. We don't know when it's going to happen. And it might be something as simple as you pausing for a whole minute, which will reduce the number of words, by the way, and saying, you know what I think? I think you should stop worrying about that. What, whatever it is, right? And that one statement of you telling someone stop worrying about it might change their whole life. So so, so the reality and the challenge with quantifying things is that it's easy to put it on a spreadsheet. It's easy to, to create financial models. It's easy to try to make up relationships between what I'm paying with what I'm getting. Like return on investment is one of those concepts that really really make me mad. And I'll explain why. When someone comes and hires me, and there's always a smart aleck in, in the office that says, What's the return investment of hiring you? You know, it's one of those things that, okay, so you want to you want you want to hire me, and whatever I do needs to go on a spreadsheet somewhere, and the ratio needs to be higher than some made-up metric, correct? That's what it is, right? So I'm spending Ten thousand dollars a year on, on an accounting consultant, and I'm supposed to get out of it, let's say twenty thousand. The problem with 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 ROI metrics is that they're always based on on numbers or measurable things, and a lot of things in life, especially in coaching, they're not measurable. You know, changing somebody's mind and attitude that cannot be you. You can't measure that. You can't measure. You can't. I mean, you you have you have kids, Michael. Could you measure you know, your kid's crying historically about something and you saying the right words that make him go, right. oh, it's going to be all right. Could you measure that? Is that even measurable? No. You know, so, in, so as adults and we're talking to other adults and we're, we're, we're talking through ideas and just brainstorming and you don't have all the answers, Michael, you're just a person that they can bounce ideas off and maybe you'll give them some perspective that allows them to find the answers within themselves that's where the value is so so i think that unfortunately because of scheduling a 9 to 5 and kids in school and and life we have a budget of time that we that we that we use for work and we have a budget of time in our calendar that we can use to coach people unfortunately that framework forces us to sell our coaching consulting services in that way but in reality that's not what people are consuming people are consuming eureka they're consuming that you know that that mindset shift, they're consuming comfort. they're consuming none of the things that can go into a spreadsheet. So the, 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 if you continue to use hourly rate as the way that you frame it, people will never see the value beyond what you can put in a spreadsheet. So people need to see the spiritual value of the transaction. It
2: seems like if so. If you are able to look at a project and you can evaluate for you what you think the total time is going to be, what I'm hearing is the only time really you use an hourly rate is for you to figure out the minimum you should charge that would make you happy as a bundled price. Or or that would
0: pay the bills because sometimes there's a gap between paying the bills and paying the mortgage and being happy, right?
2: Yeah, you're right. I thought happy would be above the bills, but... Correct.
0: (laughs) Somewhere between break even and having money to take a vacation.
2: So generally, now when I'm looking at projects, I do. I actually look at it as, okay, I'm expecting this project of workflow design is going to take me four hours or five hours. So if I look at it that way, I will then go and I'll quote it out uh, for $800 to give me a little bit of a buffer area, right? because I'm expecting that 150 times four. So that way I'm accomplishing that goal. It also then builds in for me, the freedom that if I do need to spend a little extra time, because I want to make sure my deliverable is as good as it can possibly be, that is super, super important to me because quality of output is how you continue to increase your hourly rate or your your billable wage. So from that aspect, again, I would still try to avoid hourly rates. I just don't like them. I don't like to, to charge them. Um, but I do use those rates or that I, that number to evaluate what I should charge for a project.
0: And it's getting to the top of the hour. So we're probably going to wrap it up, right, Michael? Michael, you're kind of the timekeeper here uh, because uh, uh, Matthew and I don't know how to look at time and we cannot just <laughs> can't do these things forever. But I'll tell you something that happened to me, I'll say about two years ago that just sedimented this whole concept into my head and I can never get it out. So I had a client that called me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get specific into the work that we did. I had a client that calls me, they're, they're using QuickBooks Enterprise. And every time they sold an item, they were adding a class. They were doing class tracking. This is a doctor's office that, it, that does some sort of therapy and some of the inventory is medicine or, 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 or equipment or something that they include with the deal. So each doctor was tracking, you know, their their revenue per doctor, but also the cost of the inventory that they were consuming. So the office manager had this spreadsheet, this, what they call the BAS, the big ass spreadsheet, right? That had every single uh, inventory coming in and every single inventory consumed by each doctor. And at the end of the year, they did this big spreadsheet to figure out how much each cost center, each class, each doctor gets charged for inventory so then they can figure out how the distributions go. I literally helped help this person import from a spreadsheet. It was like 27 items. It wasn't even that you would appreciate that, Matthew. 27 different items. That's all it was with all the inventory beginning balances. I picked the option to automatically add the class uh, based on the on the on the consumer and all the consumers were jobs of the doctors. So I spent two hours with this person and I charged them I think 650 or maybe I was like at the $500 range uh, a couple of years ago. And when we were finished, it was beautiful. It was like literally a minute 58 in. The job was completely done. Everything was imported. All the templates were set up. That person tested each one, saw the reports. And the person said, wow, you've saved me about 20 hours a week. And at that moment, I said, if I would have known that, I would have charged a lot more than 500 500- dollars. But that's the reality. That's the reality that happens. Like we don't know. Our customers don't always tell us that they got a hundred times the value that they paid. That per- if, if that person would have known, and I would have known the outcome, I would have said $1,500 for those two hours. They would have paid it. No problem. No problem. You know, so it's one of those things that you really never know the financial impact or the ROI that you provide. And and unless you're taking the time to to figure what that out, like if I would have taken my time to do that and say, "Hey, I'll save you 20 hours a week," you give me two hours, and and if I would have said a bigger number, that person would have paid. I even asked her afterwards. Like two years later, she called me again recently. It's very, it's it's a it's a client that calls me every year or so for little technical things, and my rate had gone up from I think it's like 500 to 650, and she said, "Wow, your rate went up," and I said, "Yeah," and. You particularly, I should have made it, make it a thousand dollars an hour. I said joking around. And she said, Why? She's like, Well, because I saved you 20 hours a week or whatever you told me. And she's like, Wow, you remember that I said that? And I said, Of course I remember because I left money on the table. And, and and I'm okay having those conversations with my clients because my clients are also business owners, you know, they, they know what's going on, right? I mean, they 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 are doctors, they know they play the hourly rate game as well. So it's one of those things that the minute you realize how much money you left on the table, it's the stuff that just boils you up inside and makes you get away from the whole hourly concept.
2: So real quickly, this is the perfect time to probably, if, if you guys agree with it, close out on the good old story of Ford and Tesla, right? So Tesla, Ford has a problem with his engine one day. He has a difficulty getting it to work. So he decides to get a hold of Tesla and have Tesla come over too help figure out the problem with the engine. Tesla shows up and he looks at the engine for a couple moments. He goes and he proceeds to draw an X on the motor. He looks back to Ford and says, whack it right there. So Ford does it, he whacks it and the engine starts up. Oh my God, this is great, that's amazing, you're wonderful. I can't believe you did this, thank you so much. Send me the bill, send me the bill, send me the bill. So Tesla goes home, writes up the bill, sends it in for $10,000. Ford comes back and says, $10,000, what are you talking about? Can I get that itemized, please? Sure, not a problem. $1 to draw the X. $9,999 to know (laughs) where.
0: That's great. That's a perfect story. Yeah, that story is perfect. I I heard it in different versions of it, but I think it, it it it, it drives it home. Like, you know, $500 to do an adjustment. Well, you can charge a, a dollar to do the journal entry, right? Four ninety-nine dollars to know which is a debit, which is a credit, right? Right, right? I mean, it's the same same concept. So, Michael, you want to drive it home? Maybe tell us what you learned, or should we, you know, do we should we have a, another coaching session next month and see the progress <laughs> of, of this?
1: We'll see how we we'll see how my uh, coaching changes through this. My, my pricing on my coaching changes through this whole process. But thanks for the feedback, guys. This has been a great conversation. Perfect. We'll talk soon, guys. Good night. Good night, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a nice weekend.
2: Bye.